You're listening to a special short story episode of the Green Industrial Revolution Radio, produced for string by the podcast agency Hair Here. My name is Karen Parley, and today I invite you to embark on a journey into the captivating realm of freight shipping. String is a political member organization for local and regional authorities in Northern Europe. Cities and regions in String join together to connect and align politically, industrially, and geographically to accelerate the green transition and unlock new potential for green growth. In the last episode, we talked about transport and how it relates to people. We heard from John Worth, the independent railway commentator who works to advance the railway infrastructure within the EU. But we know you also have burning questions about the future of the freight industry. And rest assured, we're here to provide answers. And we'll address these questions in a way that's, well, let's just say it's going to be refreshingly different. Today, you won't get the answers from me. Instead, you'll get them from the writer of this episode, Melte Duholm. So let me bid you welcome to this episode. And for now, I'll pass you on to Melte. Hi. After our last episode, where our host Victor Seuten spoke to John Worth, the independent railway commentator about railways in the EU, there was a bit of tape that really stood out to me. Listen to this. Um, John, what we do see now is that freight on trucks is really a huge problem for reducing emissions in the transport sector. And then John Worth said... So you need to work out where are your bottlenecks on your network and manage to eliminate those. If you haven't heard the episode yet, you should go have a listen after this one. But we'll hear more from these gentlemen later today. This conversation between Victor Seuten and John Worth about the freight industry and its bottlenecks got me thinking. Trains with their lesser greenhouse gas emissions, energy consumption and external costs as compared to road, rail is clearly set to play a crucial role in reaching of EU's climate objectives. But are we there yet? So... I want to propose a bet. A bet that takes place in a fictional scenario. Let's just say that I bought 20 containers and that I need to transport them from Hamburg to Oslo. And this is where I have a problem. From Hamburg to Oslo, there are two opportunities. Freight train or trucking. Road or rail. We all know that trains are better for the environment and we all know that they can travel much faster than a car can drive, right? So, let's flip a coin. Heads means that you get the trucks, tails means you get the train. It looks like you got the train, which means that I'm stuck with the trucks. So, these are the rules. We'll split the containers I bought, 10 of which will be put on my trucks and driven on the highways, and the other 10 will be put on your freight train, heading straight to Oslo. And whoever gets there first, wins, okay? I hope you're in. If not, well, um, turn off the podcast or something. I don't know. You're still here? Good. Let's get started. It's six in the morning when the large mass container ship heads into the port of Hamburg. In a large industrial shipyard, we see trucks and cranes working in a beautifully timed symphony of movement. And at the top of a tall staircase outside an administrational building, we see Victor Seuten from String. He's standing with Dr. Georg Büttner. And in Victor's hand, a small recording device. And the sounds from their conversation, along with the early morning traffic of the container yard, are being recorded by the microphone. 
You may remember this scene from our first episode about hydrogen, where Victor explores hydrogen as an energy source. Of Europe as well. Dr. Geo Büttner is in charge of the hydrogen projects in HHLA, Hamburger Hafen und Logistik AG. It's one of Europe's leading port and logistic companies. Our company, HHLA, has done a lot in decarbonizing um, its activities already. We have electrified like a lot of our container yards, as you can see over there. The company intends Dr. Geo Butner points to a section of the port where a tall stack of containers in different colors are stacked on top of each other. The entire port looks like a perfectly choreographed dance where every little part of the machinery does its job. And in the cool morning sunlight, my 10 large trucks show up. Each of them are loaded with a container, and in a matter of minutes, my containers are on the road. Around the same time, a freight train comes in, and the port workers in Hamburg waste no time getting the trains on the move again. Here, in the early morning, the train jolts out of the Hamburg port, sipping straight towards Denmark. A few hours later, my 10 trucks are already behind in the race. Your train crosses the border between Denmark and Germany way before my trucks do. At 11.30, a few hours after your train crosses the Danish border, it's forced to make a pit stop in Kolling. Here your trains will have to wait a bit before continuing on. The containers are moved from your freight train to a Swedish freight train from Hectorail. And on the highway, my trucks are driving past Kolling without even thinking of stopping. It looks like I'm ahead in the race again. But then, as midday passes, a heavy rain starts to fall. And not too far from Copenhagen, something goes wrong on my end. A traffic jam on the highway. The 10 trucks are almost not moving, adding a lot of traffic to an already complete standstill on the highway. The truck drivers are staring daggers at the cars in the lane in front of them. Music blasts from the radio in the hull of the truck. The driver turns up the speed on his windshield wipers and gazes out on the gray barren pastures next to the highway. Meanwhile, your Swedish freight train enjoys the beautiful view of the Öresund as the train effortlessly glides over the modern bridge, leaving behind the rain in Denmark. And it's still only early afternoon. All the while, my trucks are finally getting out of their traffic jam and moving again. My truck drivers do their very best to make up for the lost time, and only take as few breaks as possible as they go through Sweden. But the train is still far ahead. It's a beautiful trip along the western coast of Sweden. Both my truck drivers and your freight train conductors can overlook the sun shining in the sea in the late afternoon here in Sweden. Your train makes it to Göteborg long before my trucks do. Luckily for me, your train has to wait a bit, so my trucks have a chance to catch up with your train. And now we're in the final stretch of our little bit. And just in a little bit, we'll see who makes it to Oslo first and wins. But... Before we can go on, there's something that we have to consider about the freight industry. Listen to the tape with Victor Seiden, where he interviews John Worth, the independent railway commentator. Now, what you've seen in other areas, and you've seen it somewhat in freight, but you've seen it more in freight railways than you've seen it in passenger railways, is private companies stepping in and being able to then actually 
rival the state railways at their own game. So you have, for example, a Swedish freight operator, Hector Rail, that runs a lot of the transit traffic through Denmark. And they've actually then disturbed the market, right? So you've got, in freight at least, a mix of state-owned and privately-owned companies that make the market a bit more competitive, at least the places where the infrastructure is okay. Now, what you've not had on passenger railways is a similar sort of development, or not in particular... Uh, at least in um, in the region that, that we are um, that we're talking about in the string region for the cross border traffic. Now you've got some private operators a bit in Sweden. You've got one privately run night train that runs in the summertime from um, uh, Stockholm through to Berlin, run by Sneltorget. But ultimately, the European Union has essentially tried to set up a framework for railways to allow new entrants into the railway market, but that hasn't really fully worked out yet right there are a bunch of barriers to entry for for new firms in the into the market so ultimately i see this as more a organizational financial and mentality problem than i see it necessarily as a technical problem you can basically you can always find a technical excuse for something if you want one right but actually you can find ways around those problems in most circumstances Right, um, and, and that kind of problem solving. Okay, we've got this problem in front of us. How are we going to solve that technically? Um, that kind of um, entrepreneurial spirit, uh, I find, is often a bit missing in the railway industry. Interesting. Yeah, uh, and and because there are so many unsolved questions in this, because usually when you see, okay, we have to move more freight from, I don't know, uh, from from generally in Europe towards Scandinavia. You've seen the truck, um, the increase in trucks going across the Fiemont Belt by boat increase with 3.4% every year since 1970 until 2014, where the latest numbers were uh, w- was uh, published. And uh, so what I'm trying to say is that you know, if you need more freight, you just put another lorry on the wa- uh, on the road. It can grow organically, and the market is really good at handling this uh, demand for increased freight. Why is it that the the um, the corresponding freight uh, transport companies are not uh, able to compete with the lorries uh, and 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 the the, the truck logistic companies? The logistic companies companies operating trucks. Yes. So you see, our bet here is not quite that simple. It's been a while, and my trucks are finally arriving in Gudebol, where your train is still waiting. And as soon as my truck arrives, the train sets off, and my trucks are giving chase. But before we continue, there's another thing we have to consider when we try to figure out which mode of transport is better. The cost basis is higher for transport on the railways, not least because you need to get your freight somehow from where it's produced or where the food is produced or whatever, actually literally to a terminal, you ship it to your destination and you've got to put it back probably onto a truck for the last mile of the delivery. Um, That means you need multimodal terminals, of which Denmark at least has got quite a few. Um, When you start to get further north towards Norway, it's a bit more complicated. 
um, railways have also got to pay uh, a fee to access the railway network, right? Um, uh, And that fee that a railway operator has to pay is quite high. That therefore means that there is the argument, is it a fair competition? Is the cost basis for railways so high so as to make it actually not economic to put the freight onto uh, uh, onto the railways. Can I ask you one question towards that? Because would you say that it would be relevant to organize a lobby effort to decrease the amount of money that we are, uh, or the amount of um, extra cost we're putting on to uh, freight companies operating on trains to sort of stimulate the modal shift towards uh, 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 train freight? So, so... One of the arguments that railway advocates also often make is, is quite technical. It's called track access charges. It's basically the the money that a railway network operator demands to run a train on their given track. And so therefore, you you need to reduce that so as to make that long distance transport by train more economically attractive. But that on its own is not sufficient. What you also need to build is the terminals where you can load truck semi-trailers onto trains, right? That's also necessary. And you have also got a bit the difficulty, particularly in the string region through Denmark and through the, the Great the Great Belt Tunnel, um, you've actually got comparatively restricted capacity. So you need to work out where are your bottlenecks on your network and manage to eliminate those. Now, at least part of the advantage, of course, is you can run freight at night and passenger trains during the day, and you can work out a solution to that. But of course, for example, in the, in the string region, Gothenburg to Oslo, because it's single track most of the way there's very restricted capacity there and so ultimately there's not that much you can do without adding a second track so you basically need to come up you need to assess all of this with what's your problem ultimately is it a financial problem so how much it costs is it a lack of trains or then is it actually a problem with your infrastructure now we've got in the string region a bit of all of those things now now Ultimately, if we take a step back, though, how well is the railway industry able to react to market signals? If there is demand for more freight on the railways, how well can that demand actually be met? How entrepreneurially flexible is the railway industry? I have my doubts, right? Because it takes a long time to order locomotives, order carriages, order freight wagons. The railway industry is not very flexible in in, in that respect, and it has to become better and faster at being able to 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 deal with that uh, with that market demand for string and where you see the most remarkable um, savings in CO two emissions or reductions is in terms of freight traffic. Right. So <clears throat> ninety. I believe it's 97% of the freight that goes between Gothenburg and Oslo, which is the main uh, transport connection between yep. Sweden and Norway. 95, seven, sorry, 97% of that freight goes on trucks and right. lorries um, because it takes almost double uh, the amount of time to put it on a on a on a freight train, right? And uh, it is because they have only single track uh, right. railways most of the way between these and two it's cities. Very slow, and it is very slow. Yes, a single railway line between Göteborg and Oslo. So it takes twice as long for the train as it does for the trucks, which means that I am hours ahead of you when my trucks roll into Oslo. And it also means that I won the bet. And really, 
It's pretty clear where the issue is, because I would have loved for you to win. But as you may know, the turtle can sometimes beat the hare. But I still think that trains are the superior transport, or at least that they can be. As we've heard from Victor Seiden and John Worth, the trains have such great potential. And I think it's about time that we start investing in a cleaner and faster alternative, since there are no good reasons why we can't take some cargo from the road to the rail. I hope that you've enjoyed our little bet. I also hope you realize that I never had 20 containers in the first place. Uh, the bet was just sort of a thought experiment to see how cargo actually moves and to illustrate a point about the challenges we're seeing in the world of rail transport. But either way, I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you even learned something along the way. I know I did. And since you lost the bet, I'm afraid that you'll have to give a five-star rating on our podcast. This episode was written by Melde Duhon, that's me, with assistance from Anna Skulberg. It was edited by Miguel Juhl and produced for String by the podcast agency Here Here. Speak was done by me and Karin Parley Inselset. Next time, we'll dig into one of the most ambitious construction projects going on in Europe right now. A colossal project that will reshape the very landscape of transportation as we know it. This project will open the Scandinavian Mediterranean corridor for a greener future. It's a marvel of modern engineering, the plans for which have been underway since the 90s. I'm of course talking about the Femron Belt fixed link. But hey, we don't want to spoil everything just yet. So join us next time on the Green Industrial Revolution Radio, where we'll give the microphone back to Karin Parley, who will unveil the full story. See you then.